Welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Noah Tetzner, a curious student of classical education and podcast producer. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on the Quarter Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to A Court of Three Strands. Last week we talked about husbands and this week we're talking about wives in our season all about the family. Yes, here's this goes up with tithing as uh, one of those interesting things. Yes, I'm, I'm teasing. Actually, this is fun to talk about. I at least I enjoy it. Um, and we, we had talked, uh, like I said, the, the pattern here is the first time we talked about family in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right now, God has this great um, plan of, of bringing blessing into the world. And the, the method by which he's doing it is that um, people are going to uh, order their families in a way that they're uh, taught um, to live under God's law, his rule, yeah. his way. And, um, and then, of course, Abraham's descendant being Jesus, who dies and takes on our, um, our sin for us, um, gives us his righteousness and imputed to us. Uh, that response of faith then is this living out of his word. And, um, and, and so even in this new covenant that we're in, uh, the, um, we're still doing this. We're training uh, our kids and to, to follow after the way of the Lord. Um, man and wife are to have uh, dominion um, in, and, uh, and that is that um, being in his image, God's image, uh, we do godlike things in ordering our homes and our stuff and our time and all to bring glory to him. We talked about glory as the distinctive excellence of a thing. So if, if we're doing um, what, what we ought, right. Mm-hmm. As a, a married or as families is that um, people should be able to see within our homes, our households, our dominion, um, this godliness, a distinctive excellence, which is, which is God, which is both like this flourishing that's occurring as we're obedient to his word. Um, but also this love, because remember God is love. And, yes. and as we're married, uh, we kind of imitate the triune God who in perfect in love, then created something outside of himself to love. And so as married couples, we are, we become one flesh and we in, in this love that is being perfected, um, through the experience of marriage with the help of the Holy spirit or the guidance of the Holy spirit, or I should say in the spirit of Christ, this is what's happening because we really can't be sanctified without, without the spirit um, is that um, we're reflecting more and more the triune, that triune love. Yes. And creating things outside ourselves to love. 
um, and not just in terms of children, but also in terms of a life into a household and, and that this should again, show, bring forth the glory of God in what we do. Uh, so then we talked about marriage, um, and, the, the roles of the husband we talked, uh, yesterday and that he bears a responsibility as the head of the home. And that, um, the responsibility means that he's, he has an accountability for the, we, right. Mm. He's the. He's the spokesperson, the representative of the household that God holds accountable, and, which is serious stuff. And again, I made that plea. If, if this is, I mean, if we're not freaked out by that, <laughs> there's something wrong <laughs> with us. And, and so we, we need to take that role seriously and, and, and to look at it. Um, t- today, we're going to talk about wives and their role. Uh, then the next week, we're going to talk about children and how that fits into it and how we should be raising our children. And then we have two episodes left in the season. And one, I want to talk about particular sins within the marriage and the household. Yeah. Um, both, both the men and women and, and kind of from what I have seen as an elder, as a headmaster of a school uh, in my time as a pastor, also in my conversations with other counselors, Christian counselors, um, because there's, there's common themes, I think. And then um, the final one is I'm going to talk about a, a vision for family uh, that, that hopefully we can give some hope. And uh, with it, I'll actually have da, 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 practical tips, perhaps, you know? Yeah. I think sometimes uh, my, my wife used to complain when I was a pastor is that um, I'm heavy on the, the uh, teaching and, and a little light on the application. Yeah. And so perhaps we should have a little more application. Um, and she says this, you say this. Yeah. So, so that's, you know, that's how we, yeah. that's how it's going to roll. So today was wives, right? And, wives. and I'm, I'm just going to go back to the Ephesians um, chapter five, starting with um, verse 21. Um, if you remember the context, uh, Paul is as a result of what God has done uh, in Jesus Christ is uh, we're called as the church to submit one to an, to another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, then he moves on in verse 22, wives submit yourselves, uh, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands, you should love your wives as your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So a couple things to point out, um, Noah, is that one, um, it doesn't call for wives to love their husbands. Mm. It calls for wives to submit to their <laughs> husbands and to respect their husbands. Mm. It 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 doesn't call the the husbands to um, submit to their wives, nor does it say for them to respect them. Yeah. But instead that they're to love them. 
And, and we talked yesterday, or I mean, sorry, last week about the, uh, in last episode about the fact that um, what Paul is calling us to do, it tends to go contrary to what is, what seems like the, the problems are. Right. Right. In just like in Paul's day, I think today that there are many husbands who um, respect their wives and are perfectly willing to, to just let them do whatever <laughs> um, and, uh, and respect them for that. Right. 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 Um, but, but, uh, but they, they're a little low on love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, there are, there are women who just love their husbands. They just love them to death. They'll, they'll pretty much do anything. They're sacrificing for them. The whole thing. They just don't respect them. <laughs> and it's, you know, they'll complain about their husbands uh, one minute. And I, I think I used this illustration uh, last time, you know, they'll, they'll be in the church parking lot complaining about their husbands. And then it's like, Oh, I gotta go. I gotta put dinner on the table for my husband. Yeah. Why? Because they love them. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> but they're, but they're complaining about them and, and, uh, and it's hard to respect. So, so just talking about the role here, I, I want to point out first of all, about the, um, the, the uh, submit, right? So it yeah. says in the same way wives should be, or that you should um, submit to their own husband or um, the, the word can also be translated subject, be subject to their own oh, husband. Sure. So let, let me, let me talk a little bit about Paul, the context in which Paul is writing this in Ephesus. So you have this Greco Roman world that Paul is writing in and the family life in Rome was uh, a bit different, right? Um, the, the, you, you saw marriage was primarily a contract in which you are going to benefit the name of the household. Mm. And, and as you're a married couple, you are there to um, promote and to maintain the, the honor of the, the, that household. Right. And so you see yourselves kind of as a temporary steward of it. And so most marriages had, uh, weren't about how we would think of it, who you marry, you marry the person you love type of thing. Yeah. It was, it was almost always arranged. Mm. Uh, marriage was typically arranged and it was for the benefit of that, the household. And, um, there were, there were different kinds of marriages in Rome. Okay. In the right. Roman empire. So the, the basic marriage where there's the, the woman has a right, um, marital rights, that is, they bear the name of their husband. They have the um, they they have the um, rights to their possessions. Um, the children are their heirs. That type yeah. of thing. Um, there are two types of that kind of marriage. One was with hand, and one was without hand. And so, uh, a marriage um, with hand means that um, the the woman will marry the man, and then she will join his household or become live with him. Yeah. Right. The other is without hand. And, and it typically is like this, the, their father is older and um, you might, they might be the youngest sister or something like that, or um, they have a, in their world, they have an obligation to take care of their fathers in their old age. Yeah. And so they would marry without hand. That is they're married legally to their husband, but they're not living with their husband. Mm. In other words, in one, they're, they're subject to their husband and the other one, they're subject to their father. Does this, right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. this this word that um, that uh, hypotasso, which is the Greek word for um, submission or to be subject, is uh, it means the the idea of ordering your life under 
Yeah. Ordering it. So, yeah. So, so, so where, if I may, so where do we get this concept of, um, you know, especially in the modern world, you know, on a bride's wedding day, her father is giving her yeah. away. Right? Yeah. So there's, there is a, um, in, in the, the Bible, we see in, uh, right away in Genesis one, the, the, the son is to leave father and mother and cleave to their wife. They become one flesh. And, and this, Leaving and cleaving then is that the, the, the man goes off and establishes his own household. Right. And then, and then the woman then joins his household. Up until then, the, the woman is in her father's household. Got it. Right. right. So in, in, uh, in Christian tradition, um, and this is, you know, it, this, this happened in, amongst the nobility for ages, but amongst the normal everyday people, it really last names weren't, weren't really a thing for normal peasant people like me (laughs) up until fairly recently. But, but the, the idea of, um, you, you bear the name of your father. Right. Um, and so, you know, everyone, all the children bear the name of the father. So I'm, I'm Ron Young. That is Bill Young's son. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in the young household type of thing. Yeah. And so then, um, and then I, I, I met Wendy rail and she's part of the rail clan, the rail household. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and when I proposed to her and her, you know, I talked to her dad and he gave the thumbs up and, um, and so on our wedding day, he, he gave her to me in a sense of, she's not going to be under my household. She's going to be in your household now. So right. you better take care of her. And then there, you know, he flashed his gun and I was, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, Tom might be listening to that, but uh, it, you know, but the, the idea is, is that, that she is going from one household. She was subject to yeah. or, or ordered her life under the rail household, but now she's ordering it under my household as, as Ron Young. And um, again, that, that name is uh, bears the, um, you know, bears the name of my father's mm. and, and so it's, it's, um, you know, the Romans looked at that as that the household, uh, the name was the important thing. And you were the steward of that name. Uh, when the Christian uh, faith really took root in the Roman empire, um, it went from that type of marriage into what we call a domestic marriage where it's, where it's not, it's the, the purpose of marriage isn't to maintain this particular name of important or prominent families. Yeah. It's that, it, it, it's back to, towards this biblical idea that the man is going to leave and cleave and establish their own household. Right. Right. And so, so the idea of submission here is, is that the, the woman is, is to subject, subject herself to the order of the, her husband's household. Right. Not her, not her parents. Right. So like, I, I will say when, when I did premarital counseling and, and, you know, marital counseling as a pastor and as an elder, you, you see this a lot, right? So you'll have, um, you'll have a, a, a man who, uh, you know, they're supposed to have their own household and, and rather than him having headship of the household, he's still listening to what mom or dad is saying, mm. right? He's, he's still, he's still in a sense living under their authority rather than under on his own authority. Right. Or you'll have the, the other where, where um, the, the wife is, is more interested in what dad has to say or what mom has to say about things than her own husband. Yeah. Right. I used to listen to this talk show. Um, 
Oh, I forgot her name, but it was uh, some counselor. She, I think she was Jewish. And uh, they'd, they'd call in and say, you know, my husband wants us to do this thing. But, you know, my, my mom says we should do this. And she'd always go, well, who are you married to? <laughs> right? <laughs> this idea of being subject to or, or, or right. do now. Now, here, here's, the, here's the interesting thing is, is that this is, this is an important concept for us. You know, men and women are made differently. We're, God made us differently and uniquely. God made men in a way in which that's what they're trying to do is to leave yes. their, how, their parents' household so that they can establish their own household. In other words, what, what boys do when they become men is they become, they become an individual apart from mm-hmm. their parents, apart from, right? Now, they, they want their parents' admiration. They want... But but really, they're they're individuating. Yeah. Um, and so boys will play in a lot of com- competitive games. They'll 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 want to prove themselves. They they'll argue and fight with with their friends. Mm-hmm. And it's all that they're learning how to become their own man, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Girls will grow up um, finding their identity primarily in who they're with. Right. 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 With with a group with whatever. So that they don't typically haven't played um, competitive games. They play games that you take turns, right? You, you know, so the boys are out there playing, uh, you know, uh, you know, these games where they're tackling each other on yeah. the field there or that we're competing against uh-huh. each other and kickball or whatever. And then the girls are typically playing things like um, uh, hopscotch or, or uh, jumping rope or, right. you know, things where you, you take turns or games in which you share right. or pretend games where you, you get to yeah. be of the mom or the whatever it <laughs> yeah. might be. And, and it's, um, and they're playing together. Yeah. Whether, where the boys are playing against each other. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's one of those weird things. Cause I, I, I know, you know, um, as a, as a teacher, as an educator, you know, see talking with kids about these things and, and the girls will always have this in how to, how is it that these boys are able to play on the same team with their worst enemy? and play against their best friend. Mm. And that that's just so hard for, for them to try to put themselves in that position. is just like, yeah. it, it's, it's crazy. Right. Because this is how God made us. Right. 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 And, and so, and this is one of the reasons, and I'll just bring this up, right. Why serial dating isn't always that great, <laughs> especially for, for girls. Right. Mm. Well, it's, it's not good for anyone, but, but, but you'll see this often too. It's like, here's this girl in high school. And she gets interested in this guy. She, he, you know, takes her out and they start dating. And all of a sudden her whole life, her whole life is just changed and oriented towards this boyfriend. Boyfriend's life isn't being changed right. and oriented at all, but yeah. hers is. Why is that? Because this is how God made us. This is how God made, made girls, right? They, right. they are going to, they're going to start identifying with everything that he likes Right. They're going to, she's, you know, you see them, they're wearing like, you know, now I will say in Green Bay, Wisconsin, it's different. We're from Green Bay, everyone. Yep. Where, uh, you know, it is rare, rare that a Wisconsin girl is going to put on a Cub jersey or a, or a, uh, or a Bears jersey. Right. We're going to stay loyal to the Packers, oh, yeah. loyal to the Brewers. Right. You know, yep. that's, that's just going to happen. So, but in other places, in inferior states, <laughs> you might see those girls all of a sudden wearing the sports jerseys that their 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 boyfriend likes, 
right? right? They don't even care about football. And now they're wearing Vikings jerseys or something, to, <laughs> except in Green Bay, you know, we're, we're, yeah. we're good with that. Um, but, but it's, it's, they take an interest in things. They're going to do, they're orienting their life toward their boyfriend mm. and then they break up and then they feel lost. Right. And they, they feel like how do they're looking for that thing to orient yeah. their life by. Yeah. Do you think, okay, that's a great point, Mr. Young. And I've, I've often wondered about that. Do you think it's because they're, um, you know, how God wired these, these girls yes. has something to do with what would, I mean, even like subjection or, or, um, tr- you know, looking for a man to follow. If, if we look at it, that, the hypotasso, which has to do with ordering yeah. under. Yeah. That, Cause that's what they're, that's what they're to do. Like think of old fairy tales, right? Old fairy yeah. tales of like sleeping beauty, uh, Cinderella, all rumples, rumples, still skin, all these things. All of it is like, these girls have a life. Then they get to the point of like adolescence and now they're asleep or doing nothing until Prince Charming comes. Right. Right. And, and this is just a, a subtle way in, in these fairy tales that are kind of like where girls or women experience this idea of, of almost like, um, what do I do with my life until I find my right. husband? That's an interesting motif. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. well, it's, it's because that's, that's kind of the way it is. They're, they're geared for this, 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 there needs to be an ordering principle for them yeah. and it's going to be their husband. And so they feel like they're in limbo. Now I, I, I'll, yeah. I'll be completely honest with you. I, I don't have, I don't know <laughs> how to deal with that. I mean, I'm, you know, be frank, I have a daughter who's in college. I've got a daughter who's 14. Right. And I think part of it is, is that they, they learn contentment. Mm. I think part of it is they're finding, they need to find purpose and, um, and develop a, a great, greater sense of themselves. Yeah. So they're not like, uh, they're not feeling like they're wasting life until they get married. They shouldn't feel that way. Right. But, it, but it is a thing. And, and here, Noah, I will say is one of the hardest parts about our, the world we live in right now. And, and as a Gen Xer, I just want to apologize to the younger generations for the world that we've left you. Uh, <laughs> right. And, yeah. it, and I still blame the baby boomers. So anyway, um, so I'm there with you. Um, every time my, my kids go, okay, boomer to me, they do it because they know I'm going to get a reaction. I'm not a boomer. Right? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the, the, and that's this, okay. The age in which people are getting married keeps getting later and later. It's like 30 now. Right. We weren't made. We weren't made to wait that long, right? Really, right. especially women. We're not made for that, right? We, Why do you think that is? Are, the twenties are like the most productive years in terms of family, mm. and now we're skipping it altogether and starting families in our thirties. Well, I'll tell you why it is. Yeah, there's a, there's a few things. Number one, um, economically, our world has grown to the point where it's not feasible for someone to get married until they can afford a house. Right. And they they can't afford a house until they're in their thirties. Now, no one's building two bedroom starter homes anymore. Right. Those are get snatched up by people who rent them. Yeah. Right. There's, there's um, the other part is, is that, you know, it used to be K through 12 education in the United States of America was pretty darn good. And then you, then some people would need to go to college and get a four-year degree or a two-year degree, and they can have a great career. Yeah. Now, K through 12 is not good at all. 
You have to do your first two years of your undergraduate as remedial work. And then you get a bachelor's degree at the end of four years, you're in debt and it's not worth anything. Right. And it, it, you, you have to get a master's degree now to do what you used to be able to do with a bachelor's degree or even an associate's degree. Yeah. Why? Because the quality of our education is so bad. Yeah. Like I, I was listening to uh, Ben Merkel from New St. Andrews College, and he was talking about the, the amount of hours. So, so when in 1960, if you went to call to university. Yeah. It was expected that it would take about 40 hours a week to do your work. So you have 12 hours of, of college credit. And then the rest of that time, 28 hours is going to be spent on homework. You know what it is today? 17 hours. The expectation is it's going to take you 17 hours to go to school full time. Wow. Think of that. The difference between how much work it took to get a bachelor's degree in yeah. the 60s to now. Yeah. Now it's a joke. That, I mean, that sounds horrible. I know there's, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to undergraduate people who think that their life is uh, overwhelming with all the work and things that I they have to do. And I, and I keep telling them, you have more freedom right now than you will ever have in your life. Yeah. There's, there's so little expected of you as a college student right now. And I know that's, I'm, See, I told you I'm I'm going to be an equal opportunity or herder. Absolutely. Okay. So so no, here's here's yeah, yeah. here's the thing. The, the the problem is is that um, we now live in a system geared towards making uh, people have to feel like they have to wait till they're thirty before they can get married. Yeah. And we strap them with debt and you know all these other things. Right. And then we're teaching kid students like high school kids. Um, that they're going to be children until they're in their, until they're 30. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, don't you think we've extended adolescence? Absolutely. I mean, George Washington was what, 23 when he was an officer? When he was a colonel. A colonel. In the uh, French and Indian War. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He showed himself a colonel at 23. Just yeah. absolutely. Uh, John Quincy Adams was 14 when he was an ambassador to France. 14. And, uh, and I mean, if you even look at, how our bodies are uh, hopefully this isn't too much designed to reproduce. We're capable of doing that at a younger age. Yes. Yes. So here, here's, here's the part for the church and please listen to this ladies and gentlemen. Um, I don't think God's intent was for men to wait till they're 30 years old <laughs> to have sex. Right. Right. Now in, in here, I'm, I am a, a firm believer in classical Christian education. I am, uh, I am all aboard on this. My life is dedicated to that kind of thing. And it's great. But one of the things you'll hear is that Christian students go off to college and then they hear good arguments about non-belief or something, mm -hmm. and that that's going to somehow sway them and they're not going to be faithful anymore. And that's why you have to go to a classical Christian college because we'll give them the, the, proper apologetic yeah. so that they won't succumb to those arguments. All right. I will say that's not really true. What's really true is young men go off, young women go off to college. They can't wait until they have a master's degree and a good career in order to have a, a, a get married. They start having sex with their girlfriend or their boyfriend and they love their sin and they justify the sin by disbelief. That's what's happening. Mm. And, and, and here's, and let me tell you what the church is doing about it, right? So this is what the church is doing about 
the situation with our young people, with all the, the debt that has to come in, um, the, the affordable housing and stuff, here's, here's what we're doing. Nothing. So these kids, the, wait, wait, did you hear that? Nothing. Right. Nothing. This is what the church is doing about it. Nothing. We, we are not even replacing our population in the United States. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. We have young people who are leaving the church because they're getting into sexual sin and they're using disbelief as an excuse to do it. Wow. And we're doing nothing. So these, these kids, they wait, 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 wait. Did yeah. you hear that again, Noah? The church is doing nothing. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. All right. Now you can go. On. So, so these kids, so basically what they do is they fall into sin and basically how they justify that is they just abandon their faith altogether. They just say, I'm, I'm done being a Christian. I like my, you know, sin more than my faith. Yeah. They, I mean, they don't say it like that, but yep. that's what's going on. Yeah. And, and, um, and, <laughs> and often they, they don't see a way. I mean, it's really awkward to have to do things like repent. Right. Or to, to, yeah. to do that. They, they just love their sin more than Jesus. Right. Um, and, and some of them, and this is what we pray is that at some point as their life is going forward and they're like, oh, I, I really should get married. Oh no, I should probably find someone who will marry us. Mm. And, and then it's kind of like going, Oh shoot, I, I better, we got to get our lives together. So some, in some ways we hope that that happens and they come back. I don't know how often that's happening. It's my prayer that it happens. Yeah. What, what, what needs to happen is, is that we as churchmen need to, to, to do things differently. Yeah. Why, why aren't we making two bedroom starter homes? Why aren't yeah. we making alternatives for students to, to get their, their yeah. things? Yeah. Why, why don't we uh, have alternatives for, for education and, and jobs? And, yeah. Right. And right. we, we complain. I mean, here's, here's the other thing though. And I, this, we're not even talking about wives. I, I'm sorry. This is the nature of podcasting, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's all Noah's fault. Um, <laughs> it's true. <Okay>. Yes. <laughs> this is this is the thing, though. We we lack the the um, will and uh, to to make those changes ourselves mm. because we're caught up in our own personal peace and prosperity. Yeah. And and when when uh, and we look for political solutions. But the political solutions that come up are things like um, debt forgiveness. There are things like um, more affordable housing, which is basically subsidized housing, which raises the rent on everybody and it, and, and it makes things worse. And then people aren't creating wealth on their own and the government can have more power on people. It's a horrible thing, but that's a solution. Yeah. And then, and then uh, raising the minimum wage, those types of things. And then the, the other side, mm -hmm. the conservative side, they just um, say no. Right. So we have one side that's, which is ask is saying, here's some good uh, solutions, which we all look at and we all know that they're bad solutions. Yeah. And then instead of coming up with another solution or really a good solution, which we know what they are, we do nothing. Yeah. And, and it's a political game. Like, you know, he give us money uh, so that I can win this election because I will say no to the other side. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go back. We should go back to wives. Back to wives. Hey, can I ask a question about wives? Yes. I think this is, this is something that um, 
I mean, unfortunately, it's been sensationalized by the media as much has. But, you know, let's talk about gender roles, if, if we would, Mr. Young. So, you know, it, it, it is undoubtedly it is nobody can doubt that God has created men to behave in a certain fashion yes. and women in another. Both have inherent gifts yes. related to their gender. You know, when when you think about the relationship between a wife and a husband, you know, what does that look like? Does the you know. Should the wife always be expected to uh, bear children? Should she stay home to raise those children? Uh, is it better if the man is the breadwinner? Uh, is there? Yeah. Let, let me give you the authoritative answer to this. Noah, ready? Yeah. It depends. How do you like that? Yeah. Right? Okay. So, so, um, so in scripture itself, we see that the father, that the husband or the man is leaving father and mother and starting his own household. They become one flesh and the wife is to be subject to him. In other words, to, to be or order her life under this new thing. Yeah. And there's a, there is uh, the only thing that we see is that the husband is the head of the household mm -hmm. and how that household is managed. Mm -hmm we have the freedom to do that. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Now within how God made us, there's tendencies. Okay. So for instance, um, and this is a, a lot of generalities for, for instance, a lot of times um, men are interested in things. I'm totally ripping this off from Jordan Peterson, but I find them to be truthful. Yeah. Men are interested in things and women are interested in people. And, and so a lot of how the roles within the marriage tend to work yeah. is that the men are responsible, tend to do things with the things of the household, like fixing things and mowing lawns and yeah. those things. And uh, the women tend to do the things more towards people and nurturing them and feeding them and things like that, mm. caring for them. Yeah. It, it's, it, that's a tendency. And because guys are interested in those things, it, they're usually out in the world making money. Right. And they're, they tend to be good at it. Right. Um, and, and, uh, and women um, struggle with where they should belong. Right. And you, you'll, you'll note this. I, I, I think that deep down a lot of women, most women maybe, and I'm, I'm saying that as a question mark, not as a, a an absolute statement, but I think most women, um, really do struggle with where they have kids. Should I be uh, in the workforce or should I be at home? And a lot of times they feel that the stress, the absolutely stress yeah, yeah, that they yeah. feel like they have to be at work or not. Right. So I, I, I think in a previous episode, I, I tell you, I, I talk to couples and I strongly suggest try to live off of the man's salary and, and, you know, and the, one, the, the woman should be working too, or could be working too and, and save it, right? yeah. do it, save it as much as you can. But if you can, if you can um, learn to live off of his salary only, then when, when you have children, there's a freedom to decide. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. So this is, this is Mr. Young not saying you can't work outside the home. I mean, look at Proverbs 31 and she, here's this woman who's the, the ideal wife, right? 
And, and she's uh, making money on her own. She's buying property. She's selling things. She's, yeah. she's, she's working, right? There's, yeah. and some of it's outside of the, the house. She's not inside all day. And, you know, but w- what I'm saying is, is that I think that the natural tendency for women is going to want to be at home, but there's a struggle with work. And then they feel guilty. And I don't know if you've noticed this about women. They feel guilty about lots of things. Yeah. Men like shrug it off. I don't care, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but women, I mean, this is, this is hard, right? So it, what's the expectation that, that people have of me? Should I be at home more? Should I be at work more? Should I make money? I got this degree and whatever. And, yeah. or should I be, be at home? And if I don't like being at home, is that, then I feel guilty for that. And then I, right. Okay. I'm just going to relieve you all of this. Stop feeling guilty for things like yeah. you just. I wish I could just wave a wand. It's just not. <laughs> um, but but these are things that are are things that you and your husband should be talking about, right? And and figuring out what would be the best thing for you. Like you have a blank slate. You, you're yeah. the way you live your life c- could be you. There the the tendencies mm. I think would go a certain way, but it, it doesn't always have to be that way. There are times where. Um, where a man might be unemployed and she's out working and for a living and we're yeah. making more money. And it makes more sense that if we're going to do this, that he stays home with the kids and she's doing work. The yeah. Bible doesn't say those things. Right. But it does say that the woman is to submit to her husband and he's the head of the household. Now, how that is played out is under the authority of that family. Right. And, and, and the, the, we is is the, the spokesperson that we is the head of the house, the, the husband. Yeah. Now you will get in situations where life circumstance is such that everyone's miserable, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and that's just part of life. That's part of living in a fallen world. There's pain in every life giving and sustaining activity. It's just hard anxiousness and, and pain. So that this is, this then requires then, um, a proactive lead of a, of the head of the household uh, to make sure that, that there's a, a nourishing happening within their household, uh, encouragement, uh, love, uh, forgiveness, uh, communication, and things that get you through those, those, those rough, rough times. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's, you know, th- that's it really in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, the, the, when we come and talk about the, I guess you want to say the sins of the, uh, in the marital relationship that yeah. that'll come up. Um, a, a lot of that's, we're going to, we're going to talk about how, how things are motivated. Like I said, men are very interested in things. They're also very motiv- motivated by honor. The way that men work is tends to be about honor and, and respect. Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in the, in a man's world, it's about that honor and respect. In in a woman's world, it's more about re- relationship and sharing, right? Yeah. And sometimes there's 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 huge confusion. Like like for instance, yeah. I know this drives my my wife nuts, and I really really try. I do, honey. I do. If you're listening, when you're listening, I do. And that is and that is this. Um, if I were at my house working on a project, and you came over to my house you would not just pick up a tool and start working. I would, I would be angry at you. Right. You don't do that. Right. You don't mess with my stuff unless I invite you in. Right. I'm not going to 
you, and, and if I had something I needed to do and you came over and did it without me, without permission, right. I would be angry because that's kind of disrespectful. That's yeah, your space. Yeah. It's my space. It's my thing. That's how yeah. men operate. Yeah. Now, if a man comes and says, Hey, I'm doing this thing. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me out? Or I need to help. Guys are glad to do that. We'll go help. We yeah. were asked. We were invited in. We'll do ask. Yeah. So at home, at home, there'll be work laying around that, you know, my wife might be doing. And um, I never see it as my work. I see it as her, her work. And I don't, I don't jump in and do it. And then, you know, at times she might get a little upset because that was sitting there that whole day and you didn't yeah. do anything. And while it's like oh. in my mind, it's not really my work, even though, yeah. and then the women listening to right now are, are getting angry at me. Like, are you kidding me? But that's just, kind of, but <laughs> that's, know. that's just how men and women do things differently. And what we have to do as men is be more aware mm. of those things and see it not as her work, but as our work. Right. Does that make sense? It does. And, and then, and then also women, women, please hear me, hear me. Your husband will not be upset if you say, hey, honey, can you help me out here? They'd be glad to do it. And you might be upset or angry because you're the one having to ask him when he should know already. It's, that's not how men work. That's just not how men work. Mm-hmm. We don't think of it that way even though you do <laughs> like if, if my wife were to go over to a friend's house and she's doing some sort of chore, she would just naturally start joining the chore exactly. and do it and they would work and that'd be happy because in their mind, that's how things ought to be. But that's not how men think it ought to be. Yeah. They're different. We think differently. And so we, so here, here's where the respect comes from. Right. Um, often then uh, because we do things differently, Often it comes across when there's complaining or there's, there's other things. It comes across as disrespect, mm. right, right? Yeah. Yeah. It comes across as disrespect. My, my husband's lazy. No, he's not lazy. <laughs> you know, yeah. he might be lazy. I don't know. I don't know. But, but sometimes it appears that way because they didn't just get up and go do what they perceived as not their work, but your work. Yeah. And, and it's not because they're lazy. It's because that's not how they see the world. And, and that's not normally how they, they see things. It takes a tremendous amount of effort for, for us to think differently, to do, to do that. So to respect your husband, it might be a a good help just to say, Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you help me with this? Right. Yeah. And and that's a much, much better way, a much easier way than just getting frustrated. So, so to speak. Um, and, and that's, again, it's, it's like, um, I, my son, one time, I, I remember my wife saying something to him about, uh, opening a door for someone. And, and he, and his, his response was, I assure you, mom, this wasn't a, this wasn't a problem of willingness. It was a problem of, of, uh, seeing the need. Right. And so sometimes that's, that's just simply the issue. So we were, uh, women were made to be the help meet of Adam because men need help. Yeah. And one of those helps is just simply becoming aware of what's needed. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and so that's, that's kind of, um, 
uh, kind of one of those, those things. So, you know, res- respect is going to be, um, is this idea of honor, right? Um, yeah. I, I'm, you know, when we're out, for, you know, guys are out together. We wouldn't dream of dissing a friend of ours in front of other people, right? We might joke with them privately, but we'd never dream of trying to make them look foolish or embarrassed or dishonored in front of other people. Right. We wouldn't. You know, if you're telling a story, I'm not going to interrupt you and correct you five times while you're trying to tell a story. That would be disrespectful. Yeah. Women do that to their husbands all the time. I don't get it. It's just <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but part of that is, is that they're, they see themselves as being part of the conversation. Right. And, and they're just, they're adding correction and they think that that's being helpful then to their husband in the, in the story that they're telling or whatever it might be. Yeah. And the, and the men see it as complete disrespect and dishonor. And it just, it's a relationship killer. Right. Yeah. And it's just, part of it is just learning how to, um, how to interact with each other and learn how each other operates. And for, for men, it's a lot of it is respect and honor. My, my wife read a book called, um, um, created me, uh, help me. And, and the premise of this is if you want your husband to be happy, you just need to do three things. Feed them, respect them, and sex them. And she reads this book and she's just like, what? That's really? And so she comes and she goes, this is what this book is saying. That what all you need, all you need me to do is to, to feed you, to respect you, and to, to, to have sex with you. And, and that's going to make you happy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's, and that's all seriously, that's all, that's all any men would, would want and need. And that would feed you for a lifetime, right? That just food, food, sex, and respect. And it's just boom. Wow. And, uh, and, and it, it, it kind of changed the way she saw things and it was like, oh, like I can do, you know, like I can do that. Like that's, yeah. we're not complicated creatures here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Men aren't right. No, this, this is good, Mr. Young. And perhaps that's a really good note to, to uh, begin to wrap up the conversation today. So this, this was great, but as we, you know, leave listeners with, uh, you know, a, another gap before our next episode, you know, what is just some, uh, some encouragement or some final words relating to the wives in the audience that you would leave them with? Sure. I think the, the, the thing that is difficult for, I think for women in a, in a marriage is that um, you do feel pulled, pulled by all sorts of things, expectations, um, worries, right? Am I doing enough here? Am I doing enough there? What, a, you know, I, I feel selfish for, going to this woman's group when I could be at home doing this or, or, you know, I, I have this degree and I have an opportunity to be in a job and should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this? Here's where the the greatest encouragement would be is that you and your husband simply make the decisions, like just talk about it. And when you come to an agreement, so, so here's how it goes. This is, this is how it ought to be. Here's a wife being in subject to husband, husband, trying to lead and be a uh, head. Uh, wife comes and says, I think I want to do this. 
or should I do this? Husband and wife talk about it. They come up with a, an agreed plan and they say, hey, this is, this is what I think should happen. Is that what you think? Yeah, I think that would be a good thing, right? So there's this agreement on this is, and you, and you go and you try it out. Yeah. And when you feel guilty for whatever you think you're neglecting, that the husband ought to be able to say, no, you're good. This is what we decided. You're fine. You're doing a great job, right? Um, or let's say it goes a completely horrible way. And you're like, going, this is not working out at all. And your husband goes, yeah, we should, let's make a change. And you say, I'm sorry. And you feel, you're feeling guilty again for this. And what he should say is, no, I made that decision. That's not on you. That's on me. And that's what it means to be ahead. And that's what it means to be in subject, in sub, subjection to it. Don't worry about what the other voices are saying. Worry about what your husband says. Right. And if your husband says everything's fine, it's fine. Right. If your husband's saying, yeah, I agree, we should do something, make a change. Let him take the responsibility for the decision that was made. You don't have to. That's what he was made for. Right. God literally made him to do that. Right. He didn't make you to do that. He made him to do that. So let him do that. Let him take the weight of it. It shouldn't be on your shoulders. It should be on his. And, and, and wives, if you, if you feel like that weight's on your shoulders all the time, yeah, you should probably have a conversation with your husband. And if, and if there's a, an ongoing issue with it, then, you know, that's maybe your, you, you guys should get help. Talk to your pastor, talk to your, an elder, talk to a counselor. But, but that's kind of the idea of what, Husbands and wives' roles are as head and as one who's subjecting themselves under the authority of their husband. This husband, it's it's not meant to be some sort of uh, slave master thing. That's that's not biblical at all. It's um, and it's not about you know you you're you're supposed to wear you know skirts and uh, make sure that dinner's on the table at five and you know whatever. It's it's that's not it. If you choose to do that, if that's what you 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 and your husband have, have come up with, then, then that's fine. But it, it's all these other things, the, the actual things you do on a day-to-day -day life, that's a decision you guys get to make because you've left your, your father's household. You've cleaved to your spouse, right? Your, your, your head and, and he's cleaved to you and you become a new thing and you get to make those decisions. And it's, and it's a wonderful thing. Okay. I, Besides the, the the complete rabbit trails, we got something done today, right? We sure did. <laughs> we sure did. No, this was good. Well, thanks, listeners, for tuning in to A Quarter Three Strands. We'll see you again uh, next week on Wednesday. 